Well, good morning, and I, I have some really good news for you. I, I'm not going to be showing you clips of the Passion of the Christ. So, um, so if you have kids in the service, you don't have to send them to therapy this week after, after a Sunday morning service. So we, 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 did, we did that on Friday. On Friday is when Jesus was nailed to the cross. And when that crown of thorns was shoved onto his head and when he was pierced by his side. That, that happened on Friday. And he descended into hell. And he preached the gospel to those that had perished earlier. And he rose again. And he preached the gospel to his disciples. So today, today we're going to focus on the resurrection. The resurrection and the life. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to turn with me to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter, Mark chapter 16. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, Salome, they brought spices so that they might, anoint, might go and anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, in the Gospel of Matthew, in the Gospel of Luke, it says that he was clothed in white lightning. And they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here See the place where they laid him? But go and tell the disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as I, just as I told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and they fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those that had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. And when he had heard that Jesus was alive, and she said to him, they did not believe it. Afterward, afterwards, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven. And as they were eating, he rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those that, had seen, that he had sent and had, excuse me, believe those who he had seen him after he had risen. All right, and we're going to continue the story, a little more detail, in the, in the Gospel of Luke, 
Luke chapter 24, verse 36. And while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them, and he said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking that they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands, look at my feet. It is I myself, touch me and see me. A ghost, a ghost does not have flesh and bones as I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he said to them, do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and he ate it in their presence. And he said to them, this is what I have told you while I was with you. Everything must be fulfilled that was written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures he told them, this is what is written, that Christ will suffer and he will rise from the dead on the third day and the repentance and the forgiveness of sins will be preached to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you to what my father, to send you, I'm going to send you what my father has promised but stay in this city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. They worshiped him. They returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. This is the word of the Lord. This changed the world. And it is so important that we get it. Now more than ever, we need to understand what Jesus was saying right here. How do you feel about this book? Hmm? How do you feel about the Bible? It's controversial. Some say it contradicts itself. Some say it's irrelevant to society nowadays. It was written 2,000 years ago by men, whatever. How do you feel about it? Even if you're a student of the Bible, it can be very difficult to, to read it. And I want to encourage you, when you read this book, that you don't read it with a closed mind, right? Don't read it with a closed mind, nor don't read it with an open mind. Because neither one of them are going to do you any good. If you read it with a closed mind, it becomes a religious instrument that you can beat the hell out of people with. And I don't mean that in a good way. 
I mean that you can, you can use it. You can abuse it. You can, you can use it to manipulate people for your own good and your own circumstances. You can use it for selfish reasons, much like Hitler did. If you read, if you read this with a, a narrow, closed mind, and if you read it with an open mind, well, you just might not believe what's in here. Because if you're an enlightened person, if you are a secular-minded person, this stuff is nuts. This stuff is absolutely crazy. And for you to believe it, you are either insane or it's absolutely true. So to read it with an open mind means that you're reading it with the secular mind that says, well, it's just kind of, we need to be open-minded about this. It's a myth. There's a lot of stories that are very similar. It's just all made up. But here's the thing. Most of us have not approached this book. We, we approach it kind of cynical, but most of us have not, and people, and me included, me included, because I'm a student of it, and I studied it, and I love it. I'm a big history nerd, so like I can read it for pleasure. Hmm? But that does not mean that I've read it when Jesus has opened my mind. Do you see the difference? When you read these scriptures with a transformed mind, it will change everything. It will change the way that you read it. So there's a few things that we're going to highlight on this. This week kind of brought it home to me. Um, we all know people like this, and maybe it's you, and honestly, sometimes it's been me. I was in a pharmacy, and I was... Um, if you don't know, uh, I, I, just been, I just went through three surgeries, and it hasn't been fun. And so I was in the pharmacy getting my Norco, like the really heavy stuff. And so I wasn't necessarily in my right mind. So I'm sitting there just kind of like crawling out of my skin, right? You, do you know what I'm talking about? Okay. The pharmacist and was sitting there trying to get my order together. And um, uh, I'm not sure if it, was a, if it was a customer, but it was somebody working in the room. And they'd known each other enough that they had a familiar relationship. They'd know each other's names. They, they smiled and they, they, they interacted. They knew each other well. You know, I can't say that they had, you know, they were, you know, best friends or over for dinner. And... Easter came up. The topic of Easter Sunday came up. Are you going to church on Easter Sunday? Is what the customer asked her friend, the pharmacist. And the pharmacist says, no, I am, I am not going. I grew up in church. I, I know the Bible. I've read it. And that's all, I, I, and I'm done. My, my father-in-law is a pastor. I don't need any more of, I don't need to go to church anymore. I'm done. Uh, it's, all right? So what's there? 
There's like some church pain. There's some cynicism. There's some anger. Whatever. Who knows what happened to this gal? But it was it was strong enough where she was not going to go to church. Not even on Super Bowl Sunday of church life, which is today, right? <laughs> Everybody goes to church on Easter and Christmas. Um, she wasn't going to go. And her friend says, oh, well, of course, I'm, I'm going to go. I go to church every, and there, there it was. I go to church every once in a while. And the customer's heart went out to this cynical person. But here's the thing. She could not minister to her. She says, well, I want to go to church. I mean, I go to church. I go to, you know, I, I, we should go to, you should go to church. It will be good for you. I go to church every once in a while. And... Here it was. This is what got me because this is what I preach. She said, she said you know, I said, well, you know, she said, it's okay if you don't go to church. What's really important is that you have a personal relationship with Jesus. That's what she said. And that's what I preach, right? You know, I preach that all day long. But it was dead. Like there was no power in her words. There was no authority in what she was saying. She could not pull up a single scripture. She could not, she did not have the power and the authority of the body of Christ, of the church backing her up because not only did she have a, had a flippant attitude towards the word, but she also had a flippant attitude towards the body of Christ. And you could, you could just feel the spirit getting sucked out of that room where somebody needed to hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Somebody needed to be encouraged. Somebody needed to have life spoken into them. And the person that was assigned to her could not do it because she had no power. She had no authority. Her words, which is what I preach, carried no weight. Does that make sense? And the pharmacist blew her off. Have a good day. And she walked out completely defeated. She couldn't minister. She wasn't plugged in to a body. And she didn't have the living word inside of her. She didn't have Holy Scripture inside of her. A few years ago, I preached a message on, um, on the narrow path, you know, and, and, you know, the big door and the, and the little door, and the, 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 the narrow path and the, and the small gate. And, every, you know, people are on it, but few actually enter it. It was a great sermon. It was like one of these turn or burn sermons. You should watch it. It's still on the internet. It's like, if you're not on this path, then, you know, too bad for you. And it, was, it, was, it, was a good, it was a good message. But God gave me another picture of this story, of this. It's kind of a, a, an analogy. It's not quite a parable that Jesus taught, but it's a story that Jesus used, and he used some powerful illustrations of being on a narrow road, and then the big road, giant road, it leads to death and destruction, and a lot of people are on that one. And the vision that God gave me for this for this, this story that Jesus told, was that, okay, that seems pretty bleak, but here is, here's a good way to look at it. It's like being on a boat. It's like being on a boat in open water. It's like, and the, actually, I got the vision of a luxury cruise liner. 
It's like being on, I don't know, the Queen Mary. What's that big giant ship? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? That's not the Titanic. That would be the, the Titanic is actually the worst analogy that we could possibly have. It's not, you're not on the Titanic when you're coming to church. Not this church. Not this church. We're not going down, folks. Uh, I love you. <laughs> she comes every Wednesday night. She's always got something amazing to say. So, uh, man, how to have your message derailed. <laughs> All right. So it's like being on one of these big, giant modern ships that are unsinkable. There we go. That's what church is like. That's what, that's what church is like. And it's a great place to be. It's the all-you-can-eat buffet. It's the fondue chocolate fountain for your kids. It's the enjoyment that you get being around people that you love. It's joy, happiness, and peace. But for some reason, we think it's better and more freedom to be in open water. And it's not. It's not a good place to be. So I think those are two, those are the two, there's one more coming. Those are the first two things. We need to have Jesus actually open our minds to the scriptures. Two, be a part of his story, to be a part of the church. To understand that our place on the boat is part of his story. And that all of the scriptures are about him. Did you catch that when we read, when we read it? Jesus said, I have come to fulfill the prophecies. I am in. I have fulfilled Moses' laws, the Torah. I have fulfilled all of the prophets and the minor prophets and the Psalms and the Proverbs and all the histories. I'm in, action. I'm in all of them. In every single book, every single story, every single page is about me. And the major theme of the whole story, of Jesus' entire story, is the, for the forgiveness of sins for all nations, for all creation. That's his story. We have to ingest that, and we have to get that into our hearts. Now, and if you don't know us, since I'm talking a lot about scriptures, you might think that uh, we're just one of these Bible-thumping churches. I got a surprise for you. When Jesus opens your minds to the scriptures, and when you actually do what he says, it gets really interesting. Because Jesus did something that no other prophet, no other holy man, no other 
person did. He said, I want you to do what I did, and I actually want you to see you outdo me. That's a heavy order. I'm going to finish the rest of Mark. Because I stopped. Did you guys notice I stopped in Mark? Yeah, let's finish it. I believe that all scripture is God-breathed and inspired by the Holy Spirit. All of it. And this part gets really interesting to me because Jesus is giving, he's giving his disciples the great commandment and the great commission. This is why the church took root. This is why it spread. This is why it changed the world. If it wasn't for Jesus and what he did on the cross, this would be a very dark world. Everywhere. Well, what about Asia? Look at Asia now. There are more believers in Asia than there are in America. It's changed the face of the planet. And you can do it. You can change the face of your life If you allow Jesus to open your mind to these scriptures, you get plugged into the body of Christ, you understand that his story is for the redemption of of mankind. And then this part. And then he said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will, ready for this one? They will pick up snakes with their hands. They will drink deadly poison. It will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. There we go. The disciples went out and they preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and he confirmed his word by, and they confirmed his word by signs that accompanied it. All right. Remember earlier I asked you how you feel about this? How you feel about the word of God? I like it because I'm a history nerd. And I've read it. I've read it with my intellectual mind. I've read it for casual stuff. I've read it to make you guys feel guilty. I don't, you know. I've read it. And there's times when I've read it where the Holy Spirit has quickened me. And the, 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 the letters on the page became alive. It's like it, it, it touched me right where I needed to be. You know, sometimes you can, you can do the, the magic. Okay, God, I need some help. It's like the eight ball Bible thing. You know, the little eight ball thing that you shake up. Oh, I need an answer. Do I date Susie or do I date Sally? And you shake this thing up and it says, you're a big loser. And, all right. and so like, like we, can, we can do that with the Bible. And I'm not saying, like you go, oh God, what do I do? Who do I date? And then you open the Bible and it says... You know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe, it, you know what? Why can't God do that? He can do whatever he wants. 
And he can speak to you in that way, but that's not the best way. That's a really immature way. It's a really immature faith to say, God, I need some help. Help me now. Come on. Right? It might work once or twice, but only to get your attention. Hmm? God will only do that to get your attention. He wants to draw you into maturity. He wants you to get this inside of you completely. So you know it inside and out. So you feel confident when you talk to your friends and your family, when you don't feel ashamed by it. Hmm? You know what really makes it special? You know what really makes it powerful? Is when it is accompanied by signs and wonders. Hmm? If the disciples hadn't had signs and wonders, if Peter's shadow hadn't healed people as you walked by, if the dead weren't raised after Jesus had gone up into heaven, it would be just another weird ancient book, some Gnostic weird writings that is sent to confuse the humanities. But when we can read it, and when it's accompanied by signs and wonders, you actually believe what it says and you do what it says and you lay your hands on the sick and you just don't say, God, if it's your will, will they get healed? Yeah, it is God's will. And they will see the sick get healed. Mark is the only one that talks about handling snakes. Like Matthew and uh, Luke and John, they left that out for the same reason why most preachers don't want to preach it, except if you're uh, in the backwoods of Arkansas somewhere. Um, Because it's a little uncomfortable. But the major idea behind it is that we have, you know, when you do this thing right, when you're in relationship with Jesus, you can have dominion and control and authority over nature. A lot of us are afflicted and persecuted and oppressed by evil spirits. We don't even realize it. And you have power and authority to take control over these things. See, just when you thought we were a Bible-thumping church, it turns out that I'm a full-blown charismatic. (laughs) And I believe everything in this book. The reason why... No one takes it seriously anymore. The reason why our institutions can pick it apart with their open minds, they can apply higher criticism, they can approach it with, you know that I was an archaeologist with Harvard? I was. So even these guys can take this thing apart. It doesn't really matter to me. Because I know who Jesus is. And all of these clowns, They cannot dismiss the historicity that Jesus was an actual person and he lived. All of the notable scholars, they all agree that Jesus existed, except for these guys down here in the street. (laughs) They don't don't believe he actually existed. 
the seminary. I, I, I'm sorry. I was, I'm trying to be positive. I'm so, I'm so, I'm, I'm trying to be positive. But the day we are talking about the resurrected Jesus who is real and he is alive. He has a real body. He still does. He's, he's at the right hand of the Father. Maybe, but maybe he's also visiting somebody else's church. Wouldn't it be amazing if he was actually in our church? Why not? The Bible says that uh, angels visit us, and we don't know it. They take different form. And Jesus on the road to Emmaus, he took a different form. They didn't recognize him. And what did he do to those guys? He also opened their minds to the scriptures. Hmm? In John, in the Gospel of John, it says that Jesus, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. First time that it ever happened. That's unique to John. No other Gospel has that one. He breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Actually, that was just the 10 of them. For some reason, doubting Thomas wasn't in the room. So he didn't get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So he shows up later and he says, what? I need some empirical evidence. I need to come at this with an open mind, Jesus. You need to prove to me that you are real. And Jesus says, okay, I will allow for that. I will give you objective evidence. Here you go, you big sissy. Here you go. You just stick your fingers in my, in my holes in my hands and in my side. I will give you proof. And then what does he do? He rebukes them for his lack of faith. He says, the only reason why you have faith is because I was able to prove it to you. It's better for those that have not seen the holes in my side, but yet they believe, like all of those ladies that came to my tomb, like Peter and John who ran when they heard the good news that I had resurrected. He's real. And if you're struggling to find him, I want to just give you the gift of faith this morning. It requires faith to believe in this stuff. You might think that you're losing your mind believing in miracles and fairy tales and signs and wonders. But it will make that book become more real and it will make your life powerful, and you can walk into any situation with authority if you do what Jesus tells us to do, if you're obedient. All right. Um, this is going to be a little weird. Just listen to me. Listen. Um, I'm just a regular guy. I'm a regular guy in a, in a blue suit. Hmm? Like I could go down to the car dealership and start selling cars if I wanted to. I'd probably do a good job. Um, when I got commissioned to preach the gospel of Jesus, when hands were laid on me and the impartation to do what I do happened, that means that I represent Jesus. Now trust me, I don't have any like uh, God complexes. I don't know him like I should. I don't. 
I need to know him more. But I want this go with me here. Again, it's going to be kind of weird. See, Jesus is right here with me. When I preach, I try to illustrate the man who wants to be in relationship with you. And so, listen, when I'm speaking to you right now, these next words coming out of my mouth, and if this helps, close your eyes. Because it's not the words of Joshua Kapczynski. It's a prophetic word from God. You need the Lord in your life. This is God speaking to your heart. You need God. You need the Holy Scriptures in you. You need to get in the boat because you've been in freedom way too long. You need to get in the boat. You need to be a part of the body. You need to let go of the fear and the insecurities. You need to start doing what Jesus did. Because there's, there's going to be a storm that's coming. There's a storm coming. And if you are not healthy and mature and plugged in and growing, that storm is going to destroy you. You need to get in the boat. This world is going to get increasingly more difficult. And now is the time to get into the boat where there's safety and security, where God can help you, where God's people can help you. Um, you just can't get it on Easter Sunday. I'm not trying, the last thing I want to do is like gin this thing up and to hype you up. I want, like this is Jesus having a conversation with you right now. It's like we're at Denny's. I know it's a lousy restaurant. Let's, we're at Chipotle. That's even worse. We're, <laughs> look, my next, next week I'm going to be talking about prayer. And the idea about prayer is just actually having a conversation with Jesus as if he was actually in the room, shedding off all of this religious garbage and this religious language and this posturing and all this stuff that, that, that is all performance-driven and just actually talk to the man as if he was in the room because he is. I mean, maybe we don't get the real one where we can stick our hands in yet, but we have him revealed to us through the Holy Spirit. The presence of Jesus is revealed to us through the Holy Spirit. So you can talk to your counselor, Holy Spirit. And that's just, that's what you need. So his story is our hope. But you gotta know the story. You gotta know the entirety of the story. And if you need hope in your life, I don't care. It could be this church, be other some life-giving church. If you're visiting, 
I know it's difficult. I remember being new to a church. It was extremely awkward. So I went to a church like this, didn't work out. So I became Episcopalian. Seriously. Became a full-blown Episcopalian for about six months. Not full-blown. I didn't go to the membership classes. <laughs> I just learned how to do this, and I went to their potlucks. That's right. <laughs> I don't remember a dang thing they said. But I remembered that there was a group of people that loved me. Gospel. All right. I have the band of the ushers come to the front. Let's you pray with me. And if you want to know Jesus, if you want to have that that real relationship with Jesus, where he opens your mind. He gets you into a a discipleship group, whatever that might be. He commissions you, and you begin to emulate him. If you want that, just eyes closed, head bowed, just raise your hand, and I'd just like to bless you real quick before we take the offering. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, guys. Holy Spirit, come. I pray right now that you will open their minds, that there will be a fresh revelation over these people where they will read these scriptures and they will become living words that will plant seed in their heart that will take root and not only transform their lives, but will transform the lives that are around them. May they go in the authority of the church. May they go in the authority of the Holy Spirit. May they go with the authority of the scriptures backing them, God. I pray you give them a desire to consume the word of God. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. And God, I pray right now, Heavenly Father, that you, just, you do, continue to do a powerful work in this church and in our lives. We are, we're, we're desperate for you. And some of us can see this in this storm that's coming. And God, may we just, May we do whatever we got to do to get right with you right now. Work on, God, I pray that we would just work on our character, that we can commit and really dive in. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.